Well, good morning to you all. Oh, spring is here. You should be a little more perky than that. Now, some of you probably saw, saw me sitting during worship, which sometimes I do, but if I do, there's a reason. And uh, when I tell you the reason, you're going to judge me even more. Uh, yesterday, I thought I would go and put my summer tires on over to Integra Tire. Uh, my son Josh works there, and he was working yesterday, so I thought, well, I'll take advantage and uh, go over there and get my tires. And so when he had a few moments, he and I went back out into a back shed to get my summer tires and rims. And uh, my son's quite a bit younger than me, obviously. And uh, he grabbed two tires and began to roll them across the yard. Well, being a man, I couldn't be outdone, and so I grabbed two tires and started rolling them across the yard. And I got probably 10 or 15 feet, and my back started going, you are really silly, man. And I am going to tell you, and it shot pains down my leg and up my neck. So I stopped and I stretched and, you know, my son looked behind at me as I'm go he's going along. And I, of course, started going again. And <laughs> he looked behind and I was stopped again. He, he, by the time I was about halfway through, he was already had the tires in the garage and he was coming back to rescue me. And uh, I don't know what it is by us. And it even gets worse because then I washed my car and I'm sorry, that's why it rained today. So I not only, it snowed and it rained, kind of, I washed and I put summer tires on. I apologize. My son warned me, saying most people don't do this. Well, wash their car, you should all the time, but don't put their summer tires on until May, middle of May. And uh, I violated that. I figured for sure we're going to have a blizzard this week, but so far the forecast's okay. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, despite sometimes God our stupidity, when we try to be or say we are somebody we are not, when we really are incapable of doing something and we're so insecure that we don't want to show any weakness. And honestly, God, this is crazy because as followers of Christ, filled with your Holy Spirit, we should be able to be honest with one another. And I just pray, Heavenly Father, as we look at Acts chapter 3 today, there is a lot of us that do not have what Acts 3 declares. We have taken some first steps, but we have not maintained some steps. And we have not experienced what this text calls refreshing. And our Christianity has become very rote, it's become very dry, it's become very legalistic, and it is not life-giving from the life-giver. So Holy Spirit, open up our hearts, open up our eyes, open up our minds to your truth. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. Now last week I overheard a few staff share uh, they've been going to our Alpha program, and uh, they've met a few of the new believers in our church, and they said it's so exciting to be around new believers, and if you haven't done that for a while, uh, just hang out, with, volunteer with our Alpha program coming up, and, uh, and, and just get to know. I mean, we had a baptism with a few of them that got baptized. They are infectious. After that was kind of declared at one of our staff coffees, one of the other staff said, you know what I overheard? And we all said, what? 
I overheard somebody from the church telling these new believers, you know that euphoria you have right now? You know that, that excitement that, that your sins are forgiven and you just feel so light? And the new Christian nodded their head and the person went on to say, that's gonna go away. That's gonna go away. And you'll be like us someday. And I said, I just thought, oh Lord, why would they say such a thing? And they said, well, you know, it's just not all about feeling. It's just not all about, it's about, it's about knowing who he is. And you know, that's all true. And don't misunderstand me, I love doctrine and theology. I believe it's a bedrock of the church, but more importantly, I wanna ask you a question and we'll see how it goes. What is Christianity? Now I'm sure if you were brave to be in front of all these people, you'd say, well, it's the forgiveness of our sins. Yes, it is. It's a pretty big, important part. Some of you might say, we get to be in heaven forever. Yes, you will. That's, I mean, that's just cool. But I wanna tell you that's actually a byproduct or a blessing that goes on with the most important thing about Christianity. And I wanna tell you, I'm not gonna keep it secret, the most important thing about Christianity is you and I have been reconciled to God. And that reconciliation comes with both some wonderful things, and as we see in Acts chapter three, some warnings. Let's go to Acts chapter three then, and we're gonna do the entire chapter because I figured if we keep going at the pace we're at, we're actually not gonna make it through Acts in this millennium, and uh, so we're gonna try to do the whole chapter. I did it first service in about 34 minutes, so we'll see how it goes, but I want to point out because I'm gonna let the text speak a lot for itself. I'm not gonna do a lot of exegesis or explaining. But it kind of breaks into two parts, and the first part is there is a lame man healed. And the second part is where uh, the crowds all notice the lame man healed, and they begin to say and get excited. And then Peter takes that opportunity in the second part of it, and he shares with them what this means. And so I want you to pay attention to kind of those two breaks. We'll slow down in two verses, take a look at it, and then we'll conclude. And I only have a couple of illustrations even, just because the story itself is powerful. Acts chapter three, verse one. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, and if you've been in the church a long time, you know these words, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. 
Taking him by the hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Now this is incredible, people. He was crippled from birth. Listen to how the story goes on. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. He was making a bit of a commotion. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. That's the end of the first part of Acts chapter three. The lame man who had been lame from birth is healed. But the story continues. Verse 11, while the man held on to Peter and John. You notice the story keeps talking about these two guys. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, now he's speaking as one of their own, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power and godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. Now here comes a few yous, and I don't mean sheep. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy One, the Holy and Righteous One, and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. Did you hear that, author of life? But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith, in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong, it is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him, the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted, and now he kind of turns the tables, he's done the accusing, the accusations, now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. And you can read Isaiah 53 for some of that. So he's laid the foundation. He's told them, you did this, you did that. You did it out of ignorance. But this is what God's plan was. He used all that for this purpose. Verse 19. Repent then. Repent then. <coughs> and turn to God. We are in a society today that is normalizing sin. We are going to huge and great lengths 
to, uh, I mean, every week I seem to read another story where somebody was struggling with some uh, emotional stuff and they ended up choosing this and that and the medical community patted them on the back and really what they needed was somebody just to give them a hug. Did you know that God's written on our hearts what sins are? Over and over in the Bible it says, especially you want to read Romans 1, straight up it says, God has written on your hearts the law. We know what's right and wrong. Deep in our souls we know what's right and wrong. And this stuff that we're reading about, this sins forgiven stuff, this, this sins going away stuff, this is huge for you. This is huge for me. To let my soul be lightened of its burden that I right well know Repent then and turn to God, the text says. Why? So that your sins may be wiped out. As far as the east is from the west, God will no longer look at you and say, that is a sinner. And listen to this little add-on addendum. The times of refreshing, the times of refreshing. Now, the Greek word there literally just means refreshing. It means uh, you're going to get a big drink of really cold water when you're really thirsty. Uh, you know right well that you're not doing the right thing, and you say, okay, God, I'm repenting and I'm turning to you, and your sins are forgiven, and your soul is lightened, and you start dancing and leaping around. The times of Refreshing may come from the Lord. I want to say to you that if you're not experiencing those times every once in a while where you just want to dance and leap around, then I say I think you've exchanged your relationship with Jesus with some form of religion that isn't Christianity. Because God has reconciled us to himself. He has a desire to come into your life. I mean, this is the same God that in the Garden of Eden would go for walks with Adam and Eve in the garden at night. Every evening, they'd go for a walk. They would discuss life. They would ask questions. God would ask them questions. This is the same God that wants your sins to be forgiven, to have you reconciled to him. He wants to refresh you. And in the Greek, I will give you a little clue. It, it's an ongoing thing. It happens especially when you need it. The times are refreshing, listen to this, may come from the Lord. You know, there's so much of us who go, oh God, if I could just have my debts paid off, that would be times of refreshing. You're not understanding refreshing. You're not understanding what God wants to do to you. God wants to work in your life no matter what your circumstances are. You are lifted up. I mean, think historically of some of the tough things people have to go through. Suffering is a way that God does purify us. But God wants to refresh you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to be with you. This whole story reminded me of the first time I heard Pastor Shamoon, who was a pastor here before me, preached. The first time I heard him. He was a professor at the college I was attending, and he preached one of the sermons in chapel. And it actually was an allegory. And I would have to go on for a couple of more services to tell you the whole allegory. So I'll give you the Coles Notes version of it. Don't tell Pastor Shamoon that I could do this in three minutes. It took him 30. Because somebody might start trying doing that to my sermon. So anyway, we won't go there. 
he talked about a lady who had discovered she had wings. And she began to spread those wings out, and before she knew it, she was flying and soaring all over the place. And then she discovered there was a whole bunch of other people that had wings, and she landed with her wings really close to them, and they came up to her and said, oh, you know that euphoric feeling you have? Uh, you know how exciting that is to fly? Well, that's going to go away, and you're going to become like one of us. And he, the people began to explain, well, before you go flying anymore, you need to learn some things like the aerodynamics of your wings. And you gotta find out about wind patterns, and you need to discover you know, where you should fly and where you shouldn't fly. You need to find out the danger places. And let me ask you, do you think that stuff was important? And I would say, yeah. But they told her to fold up her wings, just become like us. And I want to say that kind of thinking takes away the times of refreshing God wants for us. I want to hang on these two verses, though, for a moment. The first point in these verses, it talks about uh, turning, turning and repenting. Uh, repenting really is I was going that way, I was living my own life, I was doing my own thing, and now you're going to go God's way, and you're going to turn towards him. And I want to just be more blunt than usual. And people say, man, you're getting so blunt, Pastor. After first service, somebody said that to me. And I always seem surprised because I don't think I'm that blunt. But I guess blunt people are like that. As I said, we're in a society that normalizes sin. And in our society, it's about self-indulgence. It's all about me and my happiness. Most of the stuff in the posts I see on Facebook on Twitter, whatever it might be, is all about, you know, feel good about yourself, don't ever tell anybody this, or let anybody tell you can't do it. It's all about puffing me up, making me feel good. I believe Peter's call to repent is because the Bible teaches that we know that we're sinners. Both in Romans chapter one and two, and in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, it's really clear that it's written on our hearts. And I believe Peter wants to lighten our load. I believe God wants you to be reconciled to him. This is so important that he wants to wipe your sins out. And the euphoria of discovering your sins are forgiven is unbelievable. And it's something you need to visit often. In fact, if you read in the book of Revelation of the different churches that are kind of given some warnings and instruction, there was one church that had forgotten their first love. And I think there's a lot of us, we, we, we know about Jesus, we've studied every aspect of Jesus, but we never really have this refreshing or this relationship or this intimacy with Jesus. Let me ask you a question. How often in a day, in a week, in a month, will God speak to you? It's a trick question, by the way. It's a simple answer, as many times as you ask, as many times as you listen. And I will tell you, as I've been going through church renewal, that I have discovered that I have wasted years and years. Now, don't get me wrong, I have listened to God a lot, and I think you have too. But did you know, statistically, pastors, which we have the highest average of this, by the way, we talk to God about 30 minutes a week. Now, I hope that wasn't, and I can say that isn't my case, 
but I can tell you that my life is getting so much different and so much better. Over the years, I've had the unfortunate experience of being away from my best friend. And you're going, who's your best friend? My best friend's my wife, Carolyn. And let me tell you what I miss when she's away. I miss her insight. Because as a pastor of a large church, there's so much stuff swirling around me. I love to go home and just hear her wisdom and insight on things. Whether it's a theological issue I'm wrestling through in the scripture. And my wife has such a good grasp of scripture and I just love that. Or, or I'm dealing with a people issue or somebody's hurting and I say, how can I help them not hurt? And my wife, she has such insight. I, I miss her kindness to me. Now, she was away for the last two weeks helping a single mom who was in the hospital. And I tell you, this morning, I remembered why I missed her being away so much as I got up and I couldn't get to sleep last night and I remember tossing and turning and I could tell she was still awake because she was reading a book. And I finally turned to her, I said, can you pray for me? I miss that kindness that my wife has for me. This morning I got up and she handed me a cup of coffee I miss that when she's away. I miss her hugs when we hug and we did just before the service, cheek to cheek, and you know we get to feel each other's softness and our souls connect just for a minute. I, I miss doing stuff with her, watching TV, going for walks, shopping, cooking and eating supper, whatever it might be. In fact, when she's away, I tend to be a slug. I, I don't read much. I don't watch TV much. I don't eat much, which maybe is a good thing. She really inspires me. I would go on, but the men in the room are yawning, and the women have big teary eyes, right? You're so moved by my story. And now I'm going to really kick you hard here. Would you notice if Jesus wasn't around? Would you miss his insight? Would you miss his kindness to you? Would you miss Jesus' company? Would you miss doing stuff with Jesus? Like going for walks? Like talking about stuff you're going through? Maybe going to church or prayer? Would anything even change? When I began using Freedom in Christ material years ago, now, Freedom in Christ basically was seven steps to freedom, and it helped people that knew they were sinners and struggling with sin, and it helped them get their relationship correct and right with God through these seven steps. And the third step was a step called forgiveness versus bitterness. I would get to that step with over 200 people that I've taken through steps to freedom, and uh, I would ask, do you have any bitterness or unforgiveness? Oh, I'd say 75% of people would say, nope, nope, I'm good. I'd say, oh, that's interesting. Okay, I would say, I want you to take this piece of paper and this pen, and at the top I want you to write, I forgive blank, put a space, for blank what they did to me, and I want God, them, to be forgiven by me. And people go, yeah, yeah, okay, I still have nothing. I say, okay, let's try something here. I want you to pray. I want you to ask God, do I have any bitterness or unforgiveness? Did you know over half the people when they prayed that prayer suddenly had come to their mind, it wasn't that God spoke in loud booming voices, it was a still small voice, but God would whisper in their thoughts, 
What about that teacher in grade three? What about that time your dad did this to you? And, and I would always prompt people and say, well, what about God? Are you mad at God about something? And I would explain, now God's perfect. So your anger is misplaced, but we can get mad at God, and you gotta work that through. Some people would fill six pages of names that said they had nobody. I say this story to you that it was one of the first times, 30 years ago I realized that when you ask God, he will talk. He wants to go for walks with you. He wants to be with you. Many of us have had some intimacy with Jesus when we became a Christian. However, we as a church and we as believers, we have a habit of turning intimacy with Jesus into studying about Jesus. We call that religion, and that is not relationship. Don't get me wrong, study about Jesus. But speak to him, talk to him, ask him questions. Let him ask you questions. Ask Jesus as, do you love me? What do you think of me? And by the way, there are other voices that can speak to you. There's Satan and his followers, and you always can, they're usually pretty obvious, they're usually negative, I hate you, you're awful. The scripture even says when we come under conviction, it leads to repentance, which then leads to life. When Satan gives you guilt and condemns you, it doesn't ever get better. That's not from God. God is loving and kind and caring. In the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's a group of people called the Pharisees. The Pharisees did not have a relationship. They had religion down to a 10 or above. They would grow little boxes of spices, and when the spices were harvested, they would take 10% of them and give them to the Lord. I don't know how they did it. Wrapped it in a nice package, put it in the offering plate. So if you've had any temptation to put spices in the offering plate, maybe you're a Pharisee, and we'll give you a talk, especially if you write your name on it. Now we're gonna get offering in the offering with spices, I suppose. With our times of refreshing, it is very clear that there is a relationship component to being born again. We have been reconciled to God three times in the Bible. We are told directly that Christ has reconciled us to himself. And this implies and intimates relationship. When was the last time you cracked your Bible open? Did you know your Bible is the number one way God talks to you? You go, well, this prayer, it's all one-sided. I'm just talking to No, he wants to talk to you, and he'd like you to be quiet sometimes and ask questions and be quiet and let him speak, either through the word, through others, through songs. This morning, driving to church, I just was tired and a little bit downcast, and I flipped on Reach FM, and I don't even remember the song, but it almost broke me in tears. And it was like God purposely put that song on the radio for me. Do you believe that? I believe it. God wants intimacy with us. As I've been going through some of the church renewal stuff, I've been taking the staff and the elders through some stuff, and I've also chosen to take some of my children through, and my oldest son in Calgary, I sent him some teaching materials, and one of them was hearing God. There's six lessons, and he listened to the first lesson, and I asked him how it went, and he goes, I really enjoyed it. And in the lesson, it talks about different ways that God speaks to us. And uh, there's an exercise in it where you're supposed to just ask God a question, 
and then listen. And so I said, did you do that? And he goes, oh, yeah, Dad, I did it. I said, well, what did you ask him? He goes, well, you might think this is a little funny, but in the material it said God cares about even the littlest things. And what was on my mind was my wife's car needs new mirrors and daytime running lights. Sound like a guy? You know, where does our mind go? So he, I said, so what did you do? I, I asked God whether I should buy some new ones. To me, it was a no-brainer. I should just go fix it. But I asked God, and I said, well, what did God say? And he said, well, God said, wait. And I said, what did you do? And he said, I waited. I said, and? And he said, did you know in the last week the price has dropped by 50% on the internet for those parts? Do you know what that does to us? God cares deeply and desperately about you. Uh, we don't always get it wrong when we're listening to God, but he wants to have you in an intimate relationship with him. And for goodness sakes, how many times can God speak to you in a week? As many times as you talk to him. Sometimes it's silence. I've gone through this phase, I don't know, maybe because I'm almost 60, I want a puppy. Now my wife isn't so keen on the puppy because she knows how much work it is. In fact, I'm getting a little bit afraid. The puppy's arriving tomorrow. But I wanted this puppy, and it's a little miniature Dachshund puppy. I've got a thing with wiener dogs. Maybe because they look like me, short legs, long body, something like that. And they like to eat lots, too, so really they just... So I said to my wife, can you let me have a puppy? We have one dog right now. And she goes, we got one, that's enough. And then she looks at me one day, and she goes, have you asked God? I think she maybe was hoping God would say wait or maybe or no. So I went and I asked God. And then my wife said, did you ask God? And I said, yes. What did God say to you? And this is where it gets really cool. I, I didn't have words, but the thought came to me, I really don't care, Anthony. You can get the puppy if you want. Just remember how much work it is. And I remember going, wow, God, you are so cool. You are so intimate. He may have said no, and I had to be obedient to that. And I told my wife that. And she said, okay, what are you going to do? I said, I'm getting the puppy. Verse 21 goes on to say, heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything. So yeah, this world isn't so great. We treat each other bad. As he promised long ago through his holy prophets, verse 22, for Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must, listen to this, you must listen to everything he tells you. You must listen to everything he tells you. And get this, verse 23. Anyone who does not listen to him, if you're just a religious person going through the motions and you know lots about Jesus, anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. And you're going, well, that's just to Israel. No, I believe it's to all of us. Verse 24. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. And you, and I say to you, Grand Prairie Alliance Church, you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant of God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples of the earth will be blessed. And the next text, the next verse actually explains how it happens. When God raised up his servant, Jesus, he sent him first to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. 
When God raised up his servant Jesus, he sent him first to bless you so that the world could be blessed. It isn't about us anymore. It's about everybody. It's about loving the world. It's about walking with Jesus. It's about hearing his voice. After the first service, somebody came up to me and said, I'm in a really tough work environment. Uh, they all like me and stuff, but, but, but it just the immorality, the, the way they mock Christianity, the way they flaunt their sin, what do I do? And I just said to him, ask God. And I said, listen and see where God's working. And I said, when anybody, even if they're mocking your Christianity, the Holy Spirit's there. That's why they're pushing back. If anybody asks you a question like, so how often do you go to church? I said, God's there. And start asking God, now what do I say? What do I do? What do I speak? So in conclusion, friends, we need times of refreshing. We now have a direct connection with Jesus We've been reconciled. Let's start using it. Let's start living it. Let's start being it. And point number two, if you don't listen, you will be cut off. And I don't mean to be, and you're going, are you a Calvinist Arminian? And if you don't know what that is, that's fine. But I will tell you, Jesus warned us in, he talked about the vine and the branches. Branches that don't produce fruit, they'll be cut off. Branches that don't listen, they'll be cut off. This isn't to be a heavy and a guilt thing because why would you not listen to somebody who loves you and cares for you so much and says stuff like, I heard about a puppy? What's at stake? The earth will be blessed through you. You want to help Grand Prairie in our downtrodden economy? Start listening to God. Start doing what Jesus tells you to do. He says, wait on buying those whatever it is. Wait. If he tells you, I don't care what you do, then do whatever you want. But why wouldn't we have an intimacy with him? Why wouldn't we walk in the garden, at least in the evenings? Why wouldn't we actually go for walks by ourselves? Why wouldn't we do even some spiritual retreats? We as a staff encourage each other to do that. Go away for a day. Some staff even go away overnight, and they just spend time alone with God. We have been reconciled. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, as the worship team comes to sing the final song, my prayer is that, yeah, we're going to be singing words, but would we each say to God, how am I doing? Is there sin in my life? What do you want me to do this afternoon, God? Heavenly Father, as I woke up Saturday morning and you whispered in my ear that Adeline's dad had passed away, I knew right away I needed to look at my phone and I saw that Rod had texted me that Adeline, his wife's dad, had passed away. I still get shocked, God, by those things. I still get so surprised by those things that you are so caring about my friends, Rod and Adeline. You wanted me to reach out to them and to love them and text them and phone them. And God, you care so intimately about each and every one of us. And there are many of us in this room today, we call ourselves followers of Christ, but a lot of us, 
we folded our wings up and we're still studying air currents. We're still studying doctrine and theology. And we forgot all about that euphoria, that refreshing, that filling, that soul impacting relationship, being able to sit at your feet, being able to feel your hugs, being able to walk in the garden with you, being able to speak to you about most intimate things and have your incredible insights. Father, we long for, as a church, to be a body of people who have intimacy with you, who are led by you, who do the outrageous things for you when you call us to do it, to speak to the lost in love and care, to be bold and blunt when we need to be with each other. God, visit us afresh. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. Would you please stand? And as I pray, do ask God. As you're hearing the words, maybe some of the words God will be speaking to you clearly and loudly. Please listen to him. They come in thoughts, they come in ways, and it, you know, sometimes it gets so crazy. You might see me walking around nodding my head yes or no, I don't want to do that, God. That's the kind of relationship God wants with us. And I'm not always good at it, don't get me wrong. I go days, days. But I'm now to the point in my life where I miss him. I miss his intimacy, I miss his hugs, I, I miss his love and his encouragement. And I ask you, do you miss him? Do you need some euphoria? And yeah, God wants to give you euphoria. I'm not being a weird Pentecostal here. I'm just saying God wants to touch you deep in your soul. Just open yourself up to him. Ask him, God, what do I need to do? And some of you might need to come to the altar during the song or after the service. You might need somebody to pray for you. Some of you might just kneel down at the altar and go, Jesus, I'm back. Speak to me. And God will probably say, what do you want me to say? And you go, well, my job sucks, or my marriage is in trouble, or I don't know what it might be.